God is the one that's building his church, and which is such a, it's such a place of peace. Honestly, I am totally convinced that, uh, you know, God, this church is God's. We watch it again and again and again. God just doing miracles in every single way, miracles in finances, miracles in people's physical bodies, spiritual things. It's just incredible just watching how God is building his church. And, and for me, leaving the church, it's such a joy and a pleasure to be in a place where I know that God is building the church because there's no pressure on me either. You know, so, you know, we're just thank you for everyone that partners, for everyone, you know, that in, in, in every single way here at Lifehouse. You know, and just we are an amazing family. It's such a great time yesterday. If you were there yesterday, uh, you know, I hope you had a great time. It was a busy, busy day. We basically got home and kind of collapsed. We were exhausted by the, end of the, by the end of it. We had so many people through, and it was, but it was such a joy. We had such a great time together. So if you weren't able to make it, the next time we have something like this, please come. You know, we trust for many more times. We're, we're going once again into uncertainty as we see, you know, different restrictions being put in place. And, you know, again, we, we, we've done it before. So we do it again, and we go, we go along, you know, and just keep praying for the government, praying. Really, the people I feel the most for are our medical workers. They must be exhausted. You know, they must be exhausted. So, I, I, and just the idea of what's going on right now, I, I just can't imagine, honestly, if I was a doctor or nurse or anyone in a medical profession. We do have some people in the community, they're in medical professions, and and I know people outside of the community and medical profession, and yeah, they're tired. You know, it's, it's been a real, a lot of the restrictions that put in place are simply to protect them at this point, to protect our hospital systems and things like that. We will get through this next season, you know? We'll get through this next one, and we trust that, you know, that after a few months, we'll be going into, you know, a, 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 eventually, I don't know, I want to say eventually this all has to end, we put that in God's hands, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. God is great. He's amazing. And, it, you know, regardless of what happens in this season, if we end up in some type of, you know, if we're not able to meet the way that we are, again, coming into the new year, whatever happens, I want to share with you something today that you can take away over the Christmas season and that whether we're regardless of what happens in the new year, that it can be a foundation that you stand on, not only in that time, but frankly, the foundation that we would all stand on for the rest of our lives. And so as I was you know, just with God this morning, and wonderfully, I got a word yesterday that God's going to give you everything you need. And I was so tired last night, I could not concentrate. And this morning again, like, Lord, what do you want me to say? And he just gave it to me in like 10, 15 minutes. And so this morning, I just, you know, typically we give a Christmas message I want to encourage you, you know, re refresh yourself on the Christmas, on the story of Jesus' birth that you find in Matthew 1 and 2 and in Luke 1 and 2. If you get the opportunity over Christmas, watch, a, watch one of the wonderful movies that's been done on the Christmas story, whether it's a cartoon you watch with your kids like The Star or what, one of the other films that's been done over, over the last 10, 20 years. There's some wonderful things you can watch with your family over the holidays, just reminding you of the Christmas story. And as well, the, the, if you've never seen or heard of the series The Chosen, I highly recommend, it's a, you can get it if you're on your smartphone, an app that you can stream to your TV. There's a website, The Chosen. And there's just the most incredible um, video, like, uh, movies, or movies, TV shows, whatever that they've done 
on the life of Jesus. And they've done a Christmas one this year that's available free of charge. All this stuff is completely free and incredibly well done. This isn't cheesy uh, done uh, filmmaking. It's, it's Hollywood quality um, production and uh, just amazing stories about Jesus. So if you're looking for something to be able to just, you know, renew your mind over the holidays, it's another great thing that you can be watching. And I haven't seen their Christmas special yet, but if it's like anything else, it is really good. So this morning, I'm not going to give a Christmas message, but I am going to talk about the very meaning of what we're singing about today, and that is, that is Jesus Christ and what he's done for each and every one of us. Because it's, it's so often we get busy and we forget. And, and frankly, this is what God asked me to speak on this morning, and so I'm going to be obedient to him in speaking on this. And you know, we are not our flesh. And it's so important that we realize this, right? Like this body, you know, these, this, this voice that I'm talking to you with, this flesh, these eyeballs these, that need glasses, these, this body of mind, that is not who James is. And I'm really glad, you know, because, I mean, now the world says that we are our flesh. You know, the world says, well, James, actually, you're a little too round at the moment to be standing up in front of people. You know, or maybe you're not good looking enough, or maybe you don't, you know, you're not, you know, things, you know, you're not, you don't have all these different things. We judge each other by our flesh in the world's standards. It's what we do, right? What we look like, what our, you know, how appealing we are, you know, it's actually all based on sexual attraction, you know, and, and so that's how the world judges. But we are, as followers of Jesus, we, what, who we actually are is our spirit, you know, you are your soul and your spirit. That's who you are. So that part of you that's been made new is not your flesh. You know, so all of the stuff that, that is our flesh, the stuff that we, that we call sin, right, that it gets committed by our flesh, that's actually not us. I want you to absorb that for a second. Because who you are, according to Scripture, is spirit it's, it's who you are. That part of you that's been made clean, that's been literally made sinless, is your spirit. The part that God walks with. The part of you that when, you know, this body, you know, it'll probably get cremated, you know, for me. When, when, when I go, get burned up. Otherwise, it gets buried. You know, we stick, you know, eventually it gets eaten by worms unless we, you know, encase it in, in concrete so that nothing happens. Like, you know, we have all our different things that we do to try to preserve the body in our, in our, in our culture after we die. But at the end of the day, this is what was made from dust and what will go back to dust, right? Our flesh. But my spirit and your spirit, that is what's going to live with God for eternity. And our spirit, our soul, that, that, that part of us, that, that is, is there, that's, it says that's right now seated with Christ. That is who you are. That is actually who you are. And I'll tell you why this is so important. You see, I, when, I, when I was thinking about this morning, I wanted to talk to you and remind you of God's love for you and, and remind you to be with God, and, I, and I'm going to do that. But if we don't understand who we are, then it's really difficult to accept God's love. You know, it's, it's hard to accept God's love if we're struggling to love ourselves. And sometimes we look at our flesh or the actions of our flesh, and we don't like that. And then we, so we struggle to love us. 
because we identify ourselves more with our flesh than we do with our spirit. And, and God, God loves you. He loves your spirit. Now, he formed your body. He made you in your mother's room. He knows how many hairs that you have on your head, it says in, in Proverbs or in, in Psalms. So, you know, it's not that the, obviously the flesh while we're here on this earth, it's, it's, what, it's what carries around our spirit. So it, it is part of us. But, it, but in essence, it's of, of who we are. It will go. You know, so all those cravings, the things to eat things that we shouldn't eat, the things to do things that we shouldn't do, the, the desires that war against our soul that come from our flesh, that is not us. That's not who you actually are. And the, the wonderful thing, and Romans goes really into this, is, you know, about that war between our flesh and our spirit. You know, what Jesus came to do and what he's done is he's made our spirit new. When we died with Christ and we came alive again, that's on a spiritual level. And that part of us has been washed clean. It is holy and it is righteous. And it's so important that we believe this. Because if we don't believe it, it's difficult to actually love ourselves. It's actually difficult to believe what God says about ourselves. And that war, quote-unquote, that goes on between our flesh and our spirit, the stronger our spirit gets, then the more our flesh actually begins to live out who we are in our spirit. Right? So uh, our flesh does eventually submit, it can submit more and more to the spirit. But that only happens when we practice things like being with God. And if in our time when we're being with God, we're constantly just like doubting. I mean, faith is so important because if we don't actually believe that we've been made new in Christ, if we look at our flesh and, and how we are, I don't mean just things, but like some of our desires and some of the desires and the emotions and the things that go on from the, from the place of our flesh, and we define ourselves from that, then it's difficult for us Sometimes to be with God, it's difficult for us to love ourselves. It's difficult. We look at what's wrong with us as opposed to who God says we are. But as we, as we spend time with God over this holiday season, that we would connect with him spirit to spirit. And when we'd read that we've been made new, that you've been washed clean, you know, that you, you know, you, this, this really bad theology that says you are still a sinner just saved by grace. No, you were a sinner saved by grace. You're no longer that. You've been washed clean. You've been made new according to Scripture. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your flesh may not live that out, but on a spiritual level, you have been made new. That's why in Romans 12, we are, you know, our true act of worship is to submit ourselves to God and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our mind, our, the place where we think, is the main battleground between that flesh and, and the spirit, and it's where the enemy also comes in and lies to us constantly. And he is the father of all lies. So he's the one that comes and tells us that what Jesus did is not good enough, that we actually can never live in the things that God says that we can live, that we won't do things that are greater than Jesus, and he keeps wanting us to live from our flesh because that's where his kingdom reigns. 
his kingdom is a dying and decaying, not an eternal kingdom. It's the, you know, and he wants to keep our spirit from being made alive and us living from that place. Now, what Jesus has done was all powerful. And I, I want to explain this to you from the Old Testament. So there's two, Jesus, you know, and this is typically, say, an Easter message, but this importance that God himself you know, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, God his Son came down. He made him, humbled himself. I love Philippians 2 where it talks about the humility of Jesus, where he humbled himself, made himself nothing, took the form of a servant by being made in human likeness. You know? So this, this season of Christmas is a celebration of the fact that God came down to be with us. He came down to our level. He, he, he humbled himself put on this weak flesh that we live from right? and, and lived among us. And it's, it's that story of humility of, of how Jesus was born, the fact that he was born in a manger, that he was big manger, he was born in, in obscurity. It tells us so much about the character of God. Yeah, but he did all of that, born humbly, Born as a baby, born weak, born dependent. Ultimately, so that 33 years later, he could die. Having lived a sinless life and to be the perfect sacrifice for each and every one of our sins. Now, this is a a fulfillment of something that we see in the Old Testament. Not just prophecies, but we see the picture of, of what Jesus was. There's two comparisons that we see in the Old Testament. One is of the, the I can't believe I just blanked, the sacrificial lamb of Passover. Now, what happened at Passover? Well, Passover is my really quick version. Passover is a Jewish celebration that celebrates what happened just before the Jewish people were released from Egypt. They'd been, they'd been enslaved in Egypt. God had sent Moses to come and release them from Egypt. And the Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, wouldn't release the people because the Jewish people were all slaves. They were building all this stuff. And as their cities, their, I don't know if they were building the pyramids. They were building all these different things there. They were the slaves. And they were, they were being worked very hard. And so the Pharaoh didn't want to let the slaves go. And so, and it even says that God hardened his heart so that they wouldn't let him go. And then they, then God sent a number of different uh, plagues, you know, basically to demonstrate his judgment against Egypt to let his people go. The final one of those plagues was that the firstborn son of every Egyptian would die. And for the, the, for the Jewish people, so that their firstborn son wouldn't die, they were all required to kill and eat a lamb. But they killed the lamb, and they took the lamb's blood, and they painted it across their doorway. And that painting of the blood across the doorway is what kept the angel of death from coming into their house and killing the firstborn son. There's a couple important things here. 
Because, you know, Jesus says, eat my flesh. You know, know, this thing really freaks out his followers. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Something we celebrate when we celebrate, so you know, in the Lord's Supper. That Passover lamb they ate. They ate the Passover lamb. It wasn't they just killed the Passover lamb, but they ate. They actually were required to eat all of it. It was part of what God commanded them. Eat this entire Passover lamb and, and paint the blood of the lamb over your doorway as protection. What did this symbolize? It symbolized protection over those people. It was, it was the, so that thing was like, you know, death will pass you. The other symbol of Jesus' death at the cross was the atonement. We get this from Yom Kippur, right, which was, again, a Jewish yearly celebration where the high priest would go into the temple and would atone for the sins of Israel, for all of them. Now, there were two things that happened there. One, a, a bull was killed to atone for the sins of the high priest. Now, we see no comparison of that in the New Testament because the high priest Jesus in the New Testament had no sin. There was nothing to be atoned for. And then there were two goats. I'm just picking a little aside because as a joke this morning, I woke my children up as a goat. I didn't wear a hat. I just, if you've ever seen the, what a goat, goats yell really loud. So my children got tortured this morning by me walking into their bedroom and waking them up as a goat, which I just thought was funny when God started talking to me about goats this morning. And so with Yom Kippur, you have these two, see, the, the bull was killed as a, sacri- as a sacrifice to cleanse the high priest from their sin. Again, no, there was nothing, no comparison of that in the New Testament because Jesus was sinless. But then there was atonement that was done, and there were two goats, okay? With those two goats, one of those goats was killed, and its blood was sprinkled on all the instruments of worship in the temple, the, the plates, the, the, all, the, all the different tools that they used in worship to cleanse them from the sin of Israel. So the role of the blood was to cleanse. It was to cleanse. Okay? And then the second goat, the second goat wasn't killed the high priest would transfer all the sins of Israel onto that goat. They would, they would pray over the goat and, and confess the sins of Israel onto the goat, and then the goat would be sent away. It wasn't killed. The goat was sent away. Let, uh, sent into the unknown, sent into the wilderness, sent off from the community. This is really important because in our wrong understanding of the atonement today, we look at Jesus' death on the cross as God's wrath pouring out on Jesus, you know, because he had to punish Jesus instead of punishing us. That's not what was going on at the cross. 
It's not the picture that we see in the Old Testament, and it's not the picture. On the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, it wasn't about punishment. It was about cleansing. It was about removing sin, not punishment for sin. And this is so important for us to understand because Jesus, once and for all, you know, it said, it said the blood of bulls and goats, it says this in Hebrews, couldn't cleanse us, you know, permanently from sin. They did this every year. But Jesus, God himself, being that perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world, could cleanse once and for all could take the sin, not pay for the sin, could remove the sin. Remove the sin from God's people. Our thing is to have faith, to believe that's what happened. This, the correct belief in what happened at the cross of the mission of Jesus is so important for us. I was saying to the group in Waterloo last week, our job is not to make, we're not supposed to become Jewish. You know, we are not supposed to practice Jewish. We, Paul actually very strongly speaks about this in Galatians and in other scriptures. It's like, you know, we are not meant to practice Jewish customs, rituals. We're not supposed to celebrate Jewish holidays. There's nothing holy in that. In actual fact, we're confusing ourselves and others. It can be helpful at times to understand them. So, you know, going, saying, hey, we're going to celebrate this. We want to understand how this, this thing was. So this Easter or this day or whatever, we're going to celebrate, you know, one of these things so we understand what it was they were doing, if it helps you better understand what Jesus did. You know, so, so doing it to understand why people that were Jewish did it. But if you're not Jewish, if you were not born Jewish and gave your life to Christ, that ritual has no bearing on you at all. It actually is unhelpful for you if you practice that on a regular basis. Because you don't need to do that anymore. Jesus did it all once and for all. We're not trying to become Jewish. The whole, so much of the New Testament is written about this false teaching where Jewish people are trying to make Gentile Christians follow Jewish rituals. It was something the Bible speaks strongly against strongly against. Because we nullify what Jesus did if we start trying to go and practice the old, assuming that it's going to do something for us in the new. Right? We don't go back to the... When we have the new, we don't go and practice the old. Because it, it has no power. It never did. It had temporary power for the Jewish people before Jesus. But Jesus ushered in something completely different. You know, the mystery of the gospel that the New Testament speaks of is this brand new crea creation, the church, which, which people that had been born Jewish can enter into through faith in Christ, and people that were born non-Jewish, which is the majority of uh, pretty much probably everyone in this room, maybe a few of us were, I don't know, that... And, and that we would be in that Gentile category, and we come into Christ through our faith in Jesus. But it's faith in Jesus now, not faith in rituals, practices, or traditions that is the thing that's important. In the time that these letters were written, 
Jewish people were still doing that. And it wasn't, it's fine. If you were Jewish, if, that's your, if you were born Jewish and you as a cultural practice, because this is what your family did and celebrates, they would celebrate some of these holidays still. Well, hey, no harm in that. As long as you're not telling other people that they need to do that and that makes them more righteous. And as long as you don't believe about yourself that somehow that ritual has any effect for you. Because when you do that, it nullifies what Jesus did at the cross. You're saying this ritual is more important than Jesus. Why is this so important? Because this holiday season, and, and for us as followers of Jesus, if we recognize that we're actually made new in Christ, and we start actually living from our spirit and not our flesh, that's where we actually become powerful. And that's where real faith happens. When we stop trusting in our flesh, when we realize that our good deeds and our bad deeds have, are, are of no consequence, what matters is where our faith is. Because where our faith, when, our, when our faith is in what Jesus has done, that he truly paid for everything we've done wrong at the cross, that gives us the power and the strength to overcome our flesh. It gives us what we need. It is what gives us the power to be able to live in everything that God has for us. It lets us see one another as new creations in Christ, not from the position of our flesh. We shouldn't look at each other based on our weaknesses and the sins we commit and things like that. We look at each other as brand new creations in Christ. And it may be that that new creation is struggling to emerge from the, from the flesh, but then let's encourage that new creation in each and every one of us that we have been made new, that the way we're living is not, if, we're, if we are in any way living outside of that new creation, that's not who we are. And we wouldn't judge each other from that position, but we judge each other as new. And when the enemy comes and lies to you and wants to tell you how you're not good enough or wants to tell you that God has not got the power to solve your problem or that God has forgotten or doesn't care or that the sin you committed has somehow caused God to turn his back on you, you can say, stop lying to me. Because at the cross, Jesus paid for it all. Jesus paid for it all. He paid for it all. Your value and your worth is not on what the good deeds or bad deeds that you do. They are dirty rags. Our self-righteousness, we are, self-righteousness is any time we trust in a ritual or trust in a good deed or a bad deed to give us good standing with God. Anytime we trust in anything other than the blood of Jesus shed at the cross, that is, we are trusting in a lie. Sorry, I'm passionate at the moment. It's so important that we understand this because the church today doesn't understand it and it's weak and it's dying. It's weak and it's dying. And in the sense of wanting unity, we tolerate things that cause people to be weak and dying. And often it's religious teaching, not sin. Right? It's the teaching that takes us away from Jesus. It's, this, it's the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees still infiltrating the Christian church today, and we're not walking with Jesus. We're walking in our own self-righteousness or religious practices, and they don't do anything. They just weigh us down and produce death. But what brings life is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. 
his sacrifice at the cross, God allowing God to work in through our lives, that is what brings change. That's what brings real change in each and every one of us. And it's, that's what brings real love. And that's the place that we're meant to live from. And the battleground that each of us has is our mind. And so be careful what you let into your mind. You know, what you believe. Because every lie, I, mean, I get lied to so often. The enemy comes and he comes and he tries to tell me how bad I am and he shouldn't do this. I mean, there was times in this last few months where he's like, just quit. Just stop. You know, and not be, and, and the reality is that he wants to lie to all because he wants to stop the work of God in your life. And he wants to distract you from becoming who you're meant to be. And we don't trust in the flesh. We trust in the spirit. And we bring our life through the spirit. And so as we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate a God that so loved us, that is so different than every other God out there, the one true God who loved the, his creation so much that he would come down, be born as a man, would live among us, would show us that it is possible to live from our spirits. And that he would die that perfect sinless death for us, not because God was so angry that he had to take a punishment, but so that he could cleanse each and every one of us from the sin and pollution of this world, that we would live true life, eternal life in him. Eternal life in him. And so I, I beg you, shut down the lies the lies in the mind. Live from your spirit. Do not believe what your flesh says. Don't believe what the do- what anyone says. You know, don't believe if you if you're struggling with your mental health. Don't believe it. Believe that you are a new creation in Christ and start saying that over yourself. The people around you, if you know people that are struggling, telling them they are a new creation in life in Christ and that they are believing about themselves is a lie. It is a lie. And lies become familiar, and we believe them about ourselves. We start believing lies about ourselves, and the enemy just comes and tells it to us enough that we think it's true. We think it's true. And, you know, when you encounter people, maybe over the holidays, that seem a little bit unlovable, just ask God to go before you. Ask the Spirit of God to go before you in each and every one of those interactions and only respond in love. Because what's in you is greater than anything that's in this world. And the own in it, the power of love is so much greater. It's so much greater. So much greater. The gospel is incredible. When we and back in January, we're going to be talking, you know, in January about being with God again from the standpoint of the gospel, this new creation that we are, so that as we're with God, our spirit is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and that we will be truly live in everything that we're meant to be, that we truly will become everything we're meant to become. Because God, this world needs the sons and daughters of God to arise is truly who they are in God. And God is wants in he God wants his church back. He wants us free from all the lies, free from religious lies, free from uh, you know the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, free from false teaching, free from practices that may seem really good but actually produce no life at all. Religion only produces death, but Jesus Christ produces eternal life. Amen. Love you all.